everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Media Boat Podcast. Today is April the 15th, may or may not be tax day, depending on where you live, <laughs> but my name's Mike, his name is Matt. My name's Matt, his name is Mike. Thank you for joining us. As he said, it's April, we are in the spring Baseball's being played. There's beautiful weather outside. Coachella is this weekend. All sorts of things are happening in the world around us. And so much so that we have stuff to talk about in podcast form for you. Yeah. So why don't we get right down to yeah. it, speaking of Coachella, with music. And we always yes. start music with the billboard. We start the billboard with the Hot 100 and it must be Coachella time because people are prepping for it as Harry Styles is your number one song this week, as it was. The name of the song is As It Was, yes. is your number one song by Harry Styles. Yes. Congratulations. He, he headlines night one of Coachella tonight and next weekend. Um, you can see that on live stream if you don't want to pony up money to go. Um, yeah, makes sense to drop a big single before also to note i don't have this in the news but um it yet again set a new spotify one day streaming record is the newest song to do so because of course it is <laughs> because every like gen z loves harry styles they love him he's their justin timberlake you could say that i'll say yeah. it yeah you could say it too but i'll say it <laughs> you, you could say that Yes, and number two, <laughs> Heat Waves by Glass Animals. Sticking around. Coming at three, Big Energy by Lotto. <laughs> at four, dropping to four is Stay by Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber. And coming in at number five, Enemy by Imagine Dragons. Yep, still imagining those dragons. Yes, he, yes, they are. Yes, he <laughs> is. Yes, they are. Yeah, they. I think they're a band. Yeah, it's a band. Vegas band. Not just that one guy. Um, as for your album chart, your Billboard 200, yeah. uh, at number one, Unlimited Love by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yes. yes. Those Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yes, their first record in a while. Uh, yeah. Uh, debuting at number one. This goes to show you, people still like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. In fact, some people are still in this apartment right now in the other room listening to the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I mean, I don't know if she's listening to them right now, but she does appreciate them. She's a I know a lot of Red people wear Red Hot Chili Peppers on a graphic tee walking around saying, yes, I, I listen to this. <laughs> I may or may not actually be listening to this. May or may not. Uh, coming in at number two, 7,220 by Lil Durk. <laughs> uh -huh. At three, Encanto by various artists. Yeah. At four, Danger Rust, the double album by Morgan Wallen. And coming in at number five, Sour by Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah, a couple notes. First of all, if that sounded familiar, that's because everything but number one didn't move. And uh, also a note about our uh, media boat enemy, Morgan Wallen. He released a new single uh, this past week, which may or may not mean that there's new music on the horizon, a new album, which would finally mean we won't have to see this stupid dangerous double album on this chart anymore we might still see him but at least it will be a different album potentially 
I actually don't know if he's announced a new full album yet, but there is a single out there. I'm trying to know if he's going to be at Coachella or not. Uh, he might be at Stagecoach. Stagecoach, that's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're going to put him on a Coachella stage. It could be wrong, but... Uh, yeah, Morgan Wallen at Stagecoach a couple years ago. All right. Anyway. Anyways, if you don't want to listen to Morgan Wallen, we have new releases. <laughs> uh, first up, just like that, mm-hmm. dot, 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 by Bonnie Raitt. Yes, that Bonnie Raitt. Pop Drunk Stock Bread by Bowling for Soup. Yes. <laughs> Those Bowling for Soup. I was asked, I believe, just this morning uh, what I thought Bowling for Soup was doing right now. Well, it turns out, releasing an album, and I didn't know. <laughs> now um, I know. I guess we could listen to it. I, you could do that. Yes, that is an option available to you. <laughs> uh, there's also Stinty Fia by Fontaine's DC. Yeah. Oh. Omnium Gatherum by, <laughs> your vote favorite name, Same. King Gizzard and the Wizard Lizard. The lizard, lizard wizard. wizard. Lizard wizard. Yes, King, King Gizzard, Gizzard and, and the, the lizard, lizard wizard. Yes, the lizard is the wizard. <laughs> the wi- yeah, the lizard King is with a- King Gizzard. The wizard is a lizard. Yes. Yeah. Also, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard will be um, co-headlining uh, Coachella this weekend, today, Friday. A stage, not co-headlining. Not, not co-headlining at night. Hey, the fact <laughs> not that. that Carrie Styles goes on at eleven thirty, and then King Gizzard and the Lizard Words goes on at eleven fifty. I believe they're the headliners. <laughs> it's whoever's last, right? Exactly. It's a race to the finish. It doesn't matter if it's on a different stage. It's whoever goes on last. It doesn't matter if significantly less people are over there. <laughs> hey, we're, we'll be there in spirit. Yeah. Uh, there's also "Break Me Open" by S. Carrie. And giving the world away by Hatchie. Something for everybody this week. A little bit of something for everybody. Speaking of a little bit of something for everybody, yeah. new album has been released or has been announced. Announced. announced with a release date by none other than Lizzo. Yes, that Lizzo. I don't always give a new slot to a new album announcement, but when it's somebody who last time around made such a big impact as Lizzo, I felt like it deserved a mention, at least. It does, because Lizzo announced a, a summer album, July 15th release date for her new album, Special, the uh, Nice Life in Atlantic Records, along with the release of brand new music video for a single, About Damn Time. <laughs> well, Lizzo actually teased About Damn Time on Instagram a few days ago calling it the song of the summer, a statement that rings true with the singer tapping into the colorful rhythms and melodies of disco. The news of Lizzo's forthcoming album comes right before her appearance on Saturday Night Live, which is this weekend, will she be pulling double duty as both host and musical guest. So yeah, uh, so I guess watch SNL tomorrow if you want to be if you want to know for sure if it really is the song of the summer. Uh, by the way, it's still spring. <laughs> hey, by the way, we're halfway through spring. 
summer is literally around the corner. It is almost summer movie season. Well, we'll see, but yeah. Um, I mean, Ghost Show You sounds like by that description, she's also following in the current pop trend of uh, dance slash uh, disco inspired sound. Um, thank you, Dua Lipa. Yes, I'll say that's very much ushered in, in that current. I mean, sure, why not? Why not? I mean, she did have a summer hit uh, two years ago. So yes. you could say it's about damn time. But speaking of the summer, speaking of summer, on the heels of an Oscar winning best documentary feature and a Grammy for best musical film, Questlove's Summer of Soul, or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised, continues to make an impact, this time with festival organizers. Yeah. Yep. Harlem Festival of Culture, which is a reimagined version of the week's long festival at the center of the film will take place in the summer of 2023, which is next year, at Marcus Garvey Park, the site of the concert in the film, uh, which at the time it was called Mount Morris Park, uh, but that was during the original 1969 Harlem Cultural Festival. Yeah. So, um, like the original, the festival will be a multi-day outdoor event. And according to Billboard, Ambassador Digital Magazine Editor-in-Chief Musa Jackson, who is actually in attendance of the 1969 fest, um, is uh, is also featured in the doc. Did I miss something there? No, no, no. The sentence confused me originally as well. It's telling you who are the festival's co-founders. So it's this first person and then those other two people. All right. So let's reverse it then. Festival's co-founded by editor-in-chief of Digital Magazine, Musa Jackson, Nicola Evans, and Yvonne McNair. Yeah. I mean, I think it's cool uh, since there's a lot of more, a lot of more, uh, like, exposure of what this originally was back in 1969 to a lot more people. It makes sense to bring it back, and why not? A big outdoor festival makes a lot of sense right now when people... There's a hot new thing right now. Yeah, who want to be outside during the summer, like, like, I don't want to be cooped up inside seeing shows and also makes sense considering um the kind of uh cl- like the kind of sound you have in r&b right now you have a lot of artists who would fit this mold perfectly and so yeah go for it like i absolutely think this is a great idea and it's a fun flashback to take advantage of this this nostalgia for the original festival yeah i mean like i said um especially with COVID around, you want to have outdoor festivals still. So yeah, yeah, looking forward to that next year. Who do you think is going to headline? No idea. John Baptiste. Anyway. (laughs) John Baptiste and her. Yeah, there we go. There we go. We did it. (laughs) All right. Speaking of headliners. Yes. uh, As mentioned, Coachella is this weekend, which means a lot of artists headlining Coachella. Case in point, um, Harry Styles. Mm-hmm. dropped new material and new albums this week in preparation for Coachella because listen to the new music, promote the new music, get the new music, boom. Exactly. Uh, one of those people, groups, actually, mm-hmm. Swedish House Mafia. Yes. With their first album in, God, was it 13 years? Something like that. Since they, uh, 10 years, since they broke uh, up in like 2012. Yeah, at least 10. Yeah, with 
Paradise again. So I also listened to this because I was looking for things to listen to today. Um, yeah, it's a Swedish house mafia record. It's an EDM record. Uh, they make the kind of music you think they make. <laughs> time passed between records because this threw no. me right back into that right. 2012 era of, yeah, I'm a little raver boy out here yeah. enjoying a little rave scene. It also uh, answered the question we had last week, which was, have the Swedish House Mafia collaborated with The Weeknd? The answer is yes. <laughs> the song yes. is on this record. And also, it was released as a single last year. So we must have just totally missed it. But yes, uh, there is a song with The, with the Weeknd and Swedish House Mafia. So now we know. Yeah, but there's also a song with Sting and the Swedish <laughs> House Mafia. Yeah, so there's also a song with uh, ASAP, Rocky, and Tyler, the Creator on here there's it's all goes all sorts of places uh but yeah, it's not just strictly an edm album either there's a lot of industrial sounds in here as yeah. well a lot of disco sounds um, in here um it's kind of like a mixed bag grab bag variety yeah. buffet style of what swedish house mafia was 10 years ago and by the end of it i honestly was like i don't know if i have an opinion about this i almost want to have us like call in our friend Mark and get his opinion here because I don't know how it stacks up to their earlier material or how it stacks up with modern EDM. I don't know. I legitimately have no way to gauge if this is good or not. Well, it got me wanting to get up and dance. So yes, it is good. Okay. All right. Fair um, it's getting me to go to their concert. So yes, it is good. <laughs> I mean, you were going to go before you listened to yes. this. To be fair, um, but, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know how to what to say about it besides the fact that um, it's very much what you think it is, and I think you'll enjoy it if you like this kind of music. I think if you never got into the discography of Swedish House Mafia and you only listened to this album, you'll get a general good yeah. sense of Swedish House Mafia. And then if you like it, then you can go back into the discography <laughs> of the previous album. Or, you know, just hit shuffle on a playlist. <laughs> yeah, that might be more what people who listen to EDM do. From what I understand, they're not necessarily album-driven people. Um, yes, different but I, genres, yes, but as we discussed know. on here, albums tell a story. <laughs> you're putting an album out, you got to make it tell a story here. Yeah, uh, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it exists. And, yeah, it's the perfect uh, get, your, get you in the mood for the big Coachella headline performance on Sunday. So there you go. Did you listen to anything else? Uh, I just want to briefly mention I did a little bit of catch up from last week and listened to the to the, the new uh, Camila Cabello record, Familia. Um, it's very good. Um, it's similar to the last solo record she put out, Romance, which I believe was two or three years ago except this leans even further into the Latin sound. Um, there's even a couple of tracks on here that are recorded in Spanish. First time she's ever done that. Um, yeah, it's a good time. Uh, so if you like Camila Cabello and you want that kind of Latin energy, it's it's a very, very good record. Um, had a good time with it. All right. Uh, I did end up listening to Wet Leg. Okay, yeah. Based on your recommendation from last yeah. week. Um, not bad yeah yeah right yeah good i didn't know what i was getting into but then no. i was like yeah not bad the single chase long is available on rock band it is yes i downloaded it 
<laughs> of course I did. <laughs> of course I did. Anyways. Anyways, yeah, a lot of that cool. very garage sounding of a garage band, but yeah, can need some refinement. Yeah, yeah, but that's on purpose. Yes, I know that's. On purpose. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't always have to be clean. <laughs> no. Anyway. Anyways, uh, let's move into some video games. Let's. And we start with new releases. Yes. Uh, beginning with Star Wars: Colon The Force Unleashed. Wait, yeah. What year is it? <laughs> it's a real release. It's a port to the Switch. So Star Wars: The Force re-released, re-unreleased. Um, important to note, though. This port is based on the Wii version of The Force Unleashed, which means that it is slightly different from the game that was released on PS3 and 360. Uh, so if you are familiar with that console version, this version is not that. Um, so that, but it does mean though that you'll be able to use uh, motion controls with the Joy-Con, just like the Wii version, if you so desire. But from what I understand, not the greatest version of this game. But it does have its fans. I remember Were some people do like the Force ever the greatest version of their own game? <laughs> people would probably argue that Resident Evil 4 is probably the port that's best on the Wii, but... Nothing with the motion-controlled gun. Right, because it actually had yeah. Wii mode aiming, uh, which some people swear by. Also see the Metroid Prime port and Prime 3. Um, a lot of people think because you have that Wii motion. It never really worked for me. I never really got shooters on the Wii, but some people, some people swear by it. But, anyway. Some people. Some people. All right. Uh, also releasing is Chernobylite, call it Enhanced Edition, for PS5, Xbox Series X, and PC. Yeah. And Out of the Park Baseball 23 for the PC. I guess they do their numbering different from the show and they do it for the like the other sports titles do and do it for the following year as opposed to the current year. I don't know why, because baseball is unique in the way it does take place the entire in the entire right. There's uh, no year, calendar jump. Whatever. Anyway, yes, this is your stat nerd baseball game. This is not a full graphical experience. It is a simulation that gives you data tables and shit. If you want that, let's play ball. Yeah, uh, yes, but with at least real teams and players, I guess, and no fantasy elements that I know of, I don't think. Um, yeah, so this is oh, what man, you want no to do. No, oh, uh, <laughs> no, he's very real, turns out. Um, but yeah, no, this is what you would, this is a, a basically your PC simulation if you want to get really nitty gritty with data, if you yeah. want to like do a franchise. But and micromanage every single piece of everything of the team. All right. Neat. So manager mode. Yeah, Order basically. Mode. Yeah, think of like, you know, those football manager games. It's like that, but for yeah. baseball. All right. So let's see if this is a video game news. And we'll start in California. Yes. With Activision, Blizzard, mm -hmm. and Gavin Newsom. Yes, the governor. The um, governor popped Gavin up in Newsom. the news this week. Yes. So Two attorneys previously leading a high-profile lawsuit against Activision Blizzard are no longer on the case following accusations of meddling by California Governor Gavin Newsom. The California Department of Fair Employment and Housing 
sued Activision Blizzard in July of last year over its failure to handle sexual harassment and discrimination against female employees. We know this. According to a new Bloomberg report, the state's the state agency's chief counsel, Jeanette Whipper, was fired by the governor and her assistant, Melanie Proctor, has now resigned in protest. Both lawyers had previously stepped down from the Activision lawsuit earlier this month without explanation. The California government denies the accusation, stating that Newsom supported the DFEH lawsuit and would not interfere. So then I, they interfered. I added that last sentence just to cover our parts. Uh, that is the official government statement. It wasn't in the original story that I copied and pasted, but I felt like it was important to say that according to the governor, uh, he did not actually uh, fire or inf- like say anything to the lawyers in question. That being said, if you believe the reporting, it seems likely considering that Activision Blizzard does have a lot of business interests that the California government would want to keep going as existent. Like, like there's, in, there's political reasons why the government here in the state would want this, this, this lawsuit to at least have a rocky road to the end so that way the company can keep making revenue for the state. Just say it. But officially, this has not been confirmed. Obviously, of course, the, gov- of course the government would say no about this. All right. So you know what we're going to do now, right? <laughs> Here comes the, the conspiracy theory hat yeah, is yeah, on. Uh-huh. Yeah, put it on. All right. So here's what happened. Conspiracy theory, Todd. Activision Blizzard employs about 10,000 people, probably more, but let's just say in Irvine alone, 10,000 people. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Governor Newsom. Do you want me to take my 10,000 jobs that I employ and go to, say, Arizona or Texas, where we can give them our tax dollars and have you all of a sudden drop 10,000 new unemployed people into your um, California dependent department, whatever, unemployment? Hmm? Do you really want to do that? Do you really want to be the reason we pull out of California and move to more Texas, where we have more rights available to us as a company, I don't think you really want to do that. Plus, remember when we gave you all that money to help with your campaign? Hmm? I think it's time for you to pay us up. Conspiracy hat. (laughs) Who knows what the impetus there was and who knows whether it actually occurred. Um, All we can really do is speculate. Um... I don't know. It's just, it smells a lot like the Justice Department that's going on in New York, where um, they were pursuing the Trump organization, and then they had people who were pursuing them also mysteriously bow out for unspecified reasons. It's the the smell of politics creeping in. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, comes with the saying, it's a business. It's just not a great look. Oh, considering no, that uh, Gavin Newsom, you know, runs with a party and runs on a platform that's very labor, uh, that's very labor positive and it's very usually, usually progressive about uh, being on top of sexual assault cases and making sure their equality is like is a um, 
I'm having such a hard time thinking of words today, um, is a priority. Mm -hmm. And so like, yeah, like it's a bad, bad PR uh, time right now for them. And so they need to make sure that, yeah, I don't know. It's, but it, I mean, like you said, though, there's like this is two weeks in a row where we've had Activision Blizzard in our news they for just, what this, seems like good reasons, but then it's actually not. No, the story keeps on, just keeps on going. It just keeps on snowballing and getting weirder and weirder. This probably being the weirdest thing that's happened yet. And who knows, it could get even weirder, but not as weird as our second story, which I'm going to let you take the, take the reins here because I'm sure you have a lot to say about this. I'm sorry, were you not expecting this? I mean, no, because I felt like around the release of the third game, there was a lot of finality, right? It was like, this is the wrapping up of this storyline. This uh, ending is important because it has like, you know, like it tries to tie up all of these loose ends. Sure, there's a teaser that implies that there might be something else, but surely that will be a spinoff, right? That's what I thought. So being around <laughs> the bush here, we're talking about Kingdom Hearts. So this past weekend was the, believe it or not, prepare to feel old, 20th anniversary Ooh. of the original game's release. Yes. Kingdom yeah. Hearts released back in 2002 in April. Yeah. In Japan. So during the Kingdom Hearts 20th anniversary event, which was held in Tokyo, they announced a couple of new trailers. Um, the first trailer was that the current mobile game, um, Kingdom Hearts... Dark Road, Union Cross Dark Road would come to its conclusion in the fall of this year. Mm. It was technically supposed to be in the fall of last year, but they got it pushed back to the fall of this year. It'll be a conclusion, it'll be a finality, they'll be able to move on from there. Won't be playable, it'll just be like one really long cutscene eventually. Mm. Basically think back cover of the movie, if you're in Kingdom Hearts lore. Sure. Then they also announced a new mobile game that would be appearing. Um, Kingdom Hearts Missing Link. Yes, put your Missing Link jokes right here, please. <laughs> uh, which would be an AR-style game where, Pokemon Go-style, where you'd have to go out in the real world to battle Heartless and, yes, actually walk around and like interact with actual people and AR objects. It's the live version of Pokemon Go, of whatever that Harry Potter thing is. Right. Run by Unity. Um, actually, not, it's not Unity. It's actually, I think this is uh, the Unreal Engine that they're going to be using. Okay. So, if you're going to get out and you're that into Kingdom Hearts, it's a thing. It's, it's coming. Thing. I'm sure there's going to be lore implications. <laughs> and then, yeah. So, they're basically, with these two, they're setting up what's going to be the new arc that they're going to cover Yes. when they eventually get to the new arc. It's kind of just the ending slash spinoff of what was the mobile-based version of Union, uh, Kingdom Hearts Union and Dark Road. And then nothing else happened. No, there's one thing that did happen. All right, you're going to make me talk about it. Yeah, please do. Okay, so... In 2013. <laughs> Wait, hold on. 
Do we really need to back up that much to give context for this? Yes. Oh boy. All right. In okay. 2013. No. Hey, you, you're giving me this platform. I'm gonna I'm gonna make my spiel here. Hey. Right. Use the bathroom. Yep. <laughs> okay. So in 2013, during Sony's E3 press conference, they gave us the first ever glimpse of what would eventually become Kingdom Hearts 3. Mm-hmm. Q six years later, and yeah. um, the infinite jokes of eventually it'll come out. We finally get Kingdom Hearts 3 actually right. released six years later when it's set in development. <laughs> Here we are now, two years from uh, almost three years now from the release of Kingdom Hearts 3, and they announce Kingdom Hearts 4. But not only do they announce Kingdom Hearts 4, they show us actual footage of Kingdom Hearts 4 actual in-game footage of Kingdom Hearts 4, as well as the debut trailer of Sora running through um, the Quadratum City, which is based off Shibuya, Japan, Uh which is where it was held, the event was held. So it's like, hey, you can literally look outside and look at our game and look how good and beautiful it both looks. (laughs) So, according to Square Enix, Kingdom Hearts 4 will mark the new beginning of a new epic storyline titled The Lost Master's Arc. Players were introduced to Quadratum, technically at the end of Kingdom Hearts uh, 3 and through DLC, uh, The Remind, but this is their first actual introduction to the uh, more into the city. Uh, Square Enix describes this city as a large, expansive city set in a gorgeous, realistic world unlike anything ever seen before in the Kingdom Hearts series. The debut trailer sees the return of Sora's Disney companions, Donald and Goofy, in addition to the first appearance, a uh, first 3D rendered <laughs> appearance, <laughs> uh-huh. be specific here, of Streletia, who is described as a mysterious new character who appears before Sora in this strange new setting. Okay, so here's my chance to ask you a bunch of questions about what the hell any of this means, because you are a Kingdom Hearts expert. You are so deep in the lore that you actually play the mobile games and know what's happened in those. Yeah, yes, I actually bought the mobile games. I actually bought the mobile system in order to play the mobile games. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so first question I have is, so... The first thing everybody was asking about this trailer, because it does take place in this quadratum, very realistic world, is that the art style has changed. You see a very more real, so. yeah, you have a more realistic Sora featured here. The world is also rendered more realistically, as you said, photorealistic uh, version of Shibuya. Um, so a lot of people's question was, well, does this mean that the entire game is in this realistic mode? Or is this just a world, like any of the Disney worlds, perhaps a hub world, uh, that will only be a portion of the game? And elsewhere in the game, there'll be other worlds with other art styles as Kingdom Hearts tradition has established. Do you think that that's going to be the case? As Kingdom Hearts 3 established that, Mm -hmm. yes, you're going to have different worlds with different aesthetics. There was a very clear aesthetic between what was shown in Toy Box Toy Story World compared to what was Frozen world compared mm-hmm. to what was even the um, uh, Monsters Inc. world and uh, Pirates of the Caribbean world and yeah, uh, yeah and um, like was it San Francisco? There's a different aesthetic going on in each world. Yeah, it's Kingdom so, yes, tradition. It it's always sense. been that way. It's what it's always been. It's always been aesthetic based on that world and how 
yeah. sort of fits in that world. But they the figured that they would show the most radically new thing, I guess, first to give you like, oh, whoa, okay, what are we doing now kind of feeling. Well, yes, this is running off of the um, uh, Unreal Engine 5. So yeah, note about that. This footage actually isn't. This footage, no, footage is... is four. Yeah, so what they're going to do, according to a translated interview, is that over the course of development, when tools become more available, technically Unreal Engine 5 did launch this week. Yeah, so but it is available. not in the news, but yes. No, but this is our chance to mention it. Yes. Um, but yeah, so they will have, they do, like, will have a plan to convert everything to 5, but early development, they've started on 4. But yes, right. you're and right. From, this the, will eventually, from that interview, they've said that yeah. Converting from four to five is going to be a quote-unquote seamless transition, as right. seamless as it is going to a new engine. Unreal uh, Epic has been very clear about they've made Unreal Engine five like very uh, yes. compatible. Did, did you watch with... that trailer for it? No, but I've heard. Oh, it's so beautiful! It makes everything so easy and so like, oh, I <laughs> yeah. could do that. And I, I'm like, yeah. wait, do I really want to do that? But I'm like, I could do that. <laughs> they make it that user friendly. Yeah, so it makes sense for them to be out here being like, oh, don't worry, we're eventually going to move this on to five. Um, my other question has to do with, you mentioned that this is not actually the first appearance of this new character. I'm not even going to try to say her name. Uh, so where has she appeared before? She has appeared in the Kingdom Hearts mobile game, Union Cross, mm -hmm. where she dies in there okay also she has a brother okay a brother named lorium so lorium we have seen in kingdom hearts lore before okay so who is the nobody <laughs> or lorium's lorium's nobody uh -huh. is marluxia okay if that name sounds familiar marluxia was the main antagonist in the other kingdom hearts bubble game Okay. First one to come out, Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories. Ah, so it's all connected. A, I want to correct you real quick. Technically, not a mobile game. It was a Game Boy Advance game first. Could you take it on the go? Yes, but okay, that's it was not a mobile what, game. When what people say mobile game? games, they don't mean handheld games. They're okay, handheld game. Yes, anyway, I actually rented a copy. That was back when I was renting things at Blockbuster, and that's how long ago that was. I rented a copy of um, Chain of Memories and tried to wrap my head around it and bounced right off of it, as I do every Kingdom Hearts game. <laughs> Anyways, um, but yeah, so now here's a question that kind of goes hand in hand with that. Another theory that I've seen come up a couple times is, it is Star Wars that, theory. No, I did also see that. I wasn't going to ask you about that because it's a given. There probably be there will probably be some Star Wars in Kingdom Hearts Four. Um, but no, what I was going to ask is, um, I saw a theory going around that because this other character is dead, that there's an idea of Quadratum being a sort of um, limbo. Afterlife. Yeah, like a limbo kind of. So something has happened to Sora to get him here, and that's why he's waking up in a way into this world. Yeah, that yeah. falls in with the end of both Remind and Melody right. of Memory. Yeah, so so that's okay. So you can confirm that's probably what's going on here. Yes. Um, so at the end of Remind, there's talk of going to unreality, basically the world <laughs> of fiction. Or as the characters see it as the world of fiction. But in my mind, I'm reversing that. 
Okay. And actually, all these characters are the fictional characters, mm-hmm. and they're breaking into the reality. I can I can actually support that because I did see somebody say something on um, the internet that in the world of Quadratum, the fictional things that that to that, that are are fiction like or things that are real to Sora are fiction in that world. Yes. So you're probably right there too. Is it's probably like these are fictional people, like things breaking into a real world. Because this is what happened with um, the actual Quadratum, is that in the Toy Box universe, a Toy Story world, uh-huh. the world of Quadratum is technically a video game. Oh. In. Right. This is the thing everybody was like, oh, Nomura is just making Versus 13 inside of the Kingdom Hearts for uh, Yes. In- and that's what this is so that's what this is so this is basically so this is again another opportunity yes another here here theory had on to make versus this is him saying i'm making versus 13 one way or another you can't stop me god damn it (laughs) it's a long con and this is him being able to do it oh man (laughs) well we could probably talk for the next hour about Kingdom Hearts lore. But Probably. do you have anything else you want to say so, about this? Two other this? things. Okay. Um, first off, um, in the trailer for Kingdom Hearts Missing Link, there's uh-huh. two logos at the bottom. Okay. One for Disney and one for Pixar, meaning both Disney and Pixar worlds will appear All in right. Kingdom Hearts Missing Link. Makes sense. Mobile version. Makes sense. In the Kingdom Hearts 4 trailer, uh-huh. the only logo that shows at the bottom is Disney. Yeah. That's not to say it's only going to be Disney worlds. Yeah. That's not to say that um, there's not going to be any Star Wars Marvel live action. Momoro has said in the past that the one world he would want, if it's a live action, would be Star Wars. Right. And leave it to the internet to be super sleuth to see one frame or yeah. like two frames to say, hey, that looks like this thing from Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're not looking at a force. Maybe we're looking at Endor. And sure mm-hmm. enough, it gets people talking, gets people yeah. thinking. And like, yep, just it's confirmed now. Like, you can't take it back. We just confirmed it on the internet. Even <laughs> though Square Enix and Nomura and no one in, in that team has basically said, yeah, that's what we're doing. Nope. Just internet people confirming things before they're confirmed. This would be a really good way to do it, too, if they're going to do it now. Because, one, uh, the engine is now up to graphical, graphical fidelity to pull that off. Mm-hmm. And, two, you already established this more realistic look for Sora in this Quadratum world. So it does make sense to a certain extent to ease that through your way of easing in the player to a more realistic human driven world, like the world of Star Wars, like the world of Marvel. So this would be the way to do it if they were going to do it. Oh, here's the extra leap that I haven't seen on the internet yet, uh, but I'm just going to like blurt it out here. (laughs) Why not? This is the internet. Why not? Um, Both the Mandalorian, Mm -hmm. Boba Fett, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, as well as Marvel, Endgame, and uh, Infinity War used assets from Unreal Engine 4 yeah. to create those environments. When you see green screen, that's not green screen. Those are like LED panels running off of Unreal Engine 4. Yeah. Add Unreal Engine 5 onto that and makes it look even more beautiful than what it already is. So, what I'm trying to say is that there's already precedent for all these assets to run in the Unreal Engine environment that Disney or 
Yeah, Disney can say, hey, Square Enix, if you want to use it, here it goes. Or Square Enix goes, hey, they're basically doing it. Let's figure out how they did it and just put it into our game. Yeah, I don't think the technology is the big question mark here. I think that's a given. You're right. It's very easy, uh, cookie cutter kind of method. The question is, is whether or not the, the IP. creatives behind the Marvel and Star Wars IPs are going to be as willing to do it. Because I think that it's very easy to for Pixar to be encouraged to do so, because how far is it the road from Disney animated feature to Pixar animated feature? Not very far for the Kingdom Hearts world to make sense in. But as soon as you commit to a leap to live action, that is a big commitment. Um, and I think that because you sat, you kind of see those specifically Marvel and Star Wars being treated as little fiefdoms within Disney Studios, they will both have people to answer to, to whether or not they want to play ball with Square. So I think it's not as easy as some people are reporting it to be, but I also would not be surprised at all if this is when it happens. Because, yeah, support like a more realistic environment is what you need to bridge a player into those worlds, and they finally have done it. So go for it, is what I say. Why not? This is the time. So going back to what I said, when Kingdom Hearts 3 was first announced back in 2013, mm -hmm. Frozen technically had not come out yet. Neither had Big Hero yeah. 6. yeah. So Anything it literally took them six years to get the game in there. That actually brings up a good question. How long do you think this is going to come out, like, take to come out? Because are we looking at 2024, 2025? Um, realistically, I'm looking at four years to 2026. Oof. Are we going to have a different console at that point? Like what's going to happen? Like, be, that's still, I still think it's going to be the PS5. But It'll be like towards the mid to end of it. Oof, that's a long time for people to wait. I mean, so is Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, but that was a little bit of a fluke. I, I'm going yeah, to go They had to switch engines and everything. Yeah, I'm going to say we see this by summer 2024. I'm going to be a little bit kinder here. I'll go, uh, I think okay. because they're working on a more available tool set, and they're not swapping engines mid-game like they did last time. Yeah, I think it'll be a smoother transition because right. and, you but saw, as you said, it's the IPs. Also, their most recent Square's most recent game. Um, uh, what is that thing called? Something of not Origin, the of, Quest origin of Origin of Chaos or something like that. I forget what that thing is called. Um, that thing that came out two weeks ago, like that was a pretty quick turnaround from announcement to launch. So they must have a pipeline now that's better than it used to be. Yes, but the pipeline can only go as fast as Nomura can spit out ideas. Right. So that's the right story question here. So we'll see. Which, we'll see if happens. he's taking the story of versus 13, he's already got it written. So there you go. <laughs> Supposedly. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it. We have to cut off our King of Hearts discourse there. If there's more information, we'll be sure to talk about it. Oh, we'll, we'll talk about it as it comes along. But for now, do you, do you have any thoughts about any video games? Did you play any new video games this week? Uh, no, but I did pre-order Kingdom Hearts 4 already. <laughs> of course you did. Um, yeah, nothing new here. I actually, I don't believe I've played a single video game since Saturday. It's been a very busy week. Same. I'm forcing <laughs> myself to play Kirby at times while 
watching some baseball. Good, good, good. Yeah, mostly been cleaning, watching baseball, and working. That's pretty much all I've been doing. Yep. Anyway, let's move on then into the second half of the show, and we move into television. And we always start television with the sports corner. Where I, play I got corner. it. I got my sports corner. And we start with golf. The Masters has a new champion, and it's the person that we talked about last week as being already ahead, Scotty Scheffler. Yep, congratulations. You had your lead, and good thing you did, because <laughs> Rory Malthroy was on your ass in that final day. Damn. But yeah, so, um, yeah. yeah, Rory uh, shot six, un- no, wait, six, eight under on the final day, which is ties the course record for the most under on the last day. But as we mentioned, Scotty Scheffler had a six-stroke lead and only increased it over the course of the next two days. So too little, too late. Rory, you'll get him next year. But (laughs) Rory McIlroy had probably some of the best shots on that last day. Mm -hmm. But Scotty had him all weekend. So Scotty doesn't know (laughs) how to lose. He does know, apparently. Scotty doesn't Um, know how to lose. I guess not. Uh, this is also only the second time that the number one ranked player in the world for golf is also the master champion. Oh, okay. Last time that happened, Tiger Woods 20 years ago. Wow, that's unbelievable. So just goes how rare that that occurs. Yeah. Moving on to a bit other big sports news. The NBA playoffs are just about to start. You have your number one seeds up there uh phoenix and miami come on what are they you know words i don't you know, know phoenix know suns and miami heat oh right well no, I, I, so I know hot. what you're asking yes i do know that what those are yes. um, but yeah and um the games will be oh boy uh <laughs> okay you're gonna have to say these i actually don't know what the the, the all right so acronyms because we're recording uh when we are we don't have the final scene yet they play no. today Okay. Uh, and the playoffs will start tomorrow or Sunday, actually. Um, so, in the final game for the final playoff spot, we have the New Orleans Pelicans versus the LA Clippers and the Atlanta Hawks versus the Cleveland Cavaliers ah. playing for the last spot out in the playoffs. All right. So, we will see what our playoff picture looks, looks like after those wins. Yes. Uh, the most interesting one is that New Orleans Clippers or that Pelicans Clippers game, because if the Clippers lose and become eliminated, means the first time in 25 years an LA team <laughs> has not made the NBA playoffs. Wow, oof, that's rough. I mean, not as rough as the Lakers have it. You this heard year. that right. That means <laughs> the Lakers were officially eliminated from the playoffs. Yeah, apparently. Damn. Well. I guess look forward to that. Um, another news, um, baseball season is up and running. A uh, little bit of a slow start, unless you're Sean Murphy's butt. Oh, you got hit? <laughs> <laughs> Did you not see this? Oh, I saw it. He got hit on okay. the butt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, see, I thought you were talking about Clayton off. Kershaw. It just bounced off so, so nicely. It was just like, boom. <laughs> the, the one that I saw was when your baseball hits a dump truck. <laughs> dump truck. <laughs> oh, Christy's gonna do it. A, a do the, do the dump us. truck. <laughs> yeah, there <he> goes. Boop. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, we had some fun with that one. Yes. 
Um, um, yeah. Oh, so. Meanwhile, if you're uh, Clayton Kershaw, you may or may not be having a good day because <laughs> he got taken out after 80 pitches. Woo! Yeah. Uh, even though you're pitching a perfect game. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why. This is, this is not I the do. first time this has happened. Because well, technically it's the second time that's happened. Yeah. Um, last time it happened was like uh, six years ago in 2016. Yikes. Um, but I mean, you do it because it's the first time your pitcher is pitching in the season. You don't want to use them all, but you know, your 80s pitches into eight innings. But you know he was dying to finish that game. Yeah, but you're on a pitch count. Seems like Otani was on a pitch count that I first know. opening day. As soon as he hit 80, they took him out. I mean, yes. I, but he also wasn't pitching a perfect game, though. Let's yes. be fair. Different yes, situations. Yeah. Also, Clayton Kershaw is also not also hitting like Otani yes. is. You have to all keep the, these contexts in mind. But speaking of Otani, uh, hasn't warmed up quite yet. Uh, we're not seeing. Um, Where's his home runs? Yeah, we're not seeing. I think everyone's figured him out now. Otani. I think they're not pitching to him. They're not giving him fastballs. Um, and he's walking a lot. Ooh. Speaking of that, yes. since it is sports, can we talk about the new way they're calling pitches? So yes, and yes, because it, but it seems like some are and some aren't. Uh, so yeah, it's this weird de- robotic sleeve device that they've got on the catchers, and they're doing that in so- instead of signs. My understanding is it's like a Morse code style uh, tone that uh, the pitcher can hear. Um, and that's how they're determining the signs. But what I've noticed is some, what will sometimes happen is they'll start with this device and then they'll get frustrated with it and go to just manual signs again. Yeah. So what it is is that it's an, it's an electronic armband and the pitcher or the catcher is the one who's calling the place. You're no longer getting it from the dugout, reading signs, touching faces. You're not no longer doing that. The catcher is making all the decisions of I want this call um, yeah. outside or middle or whatever. Yeah. Um, and basically, as the like, as soon as like he's done pitching and walking back to the mound, there's a microphone in the hat to the pitcher to say, "Hey, let's say like this is what the next pitch is going to be." Mm-hmm. It's interesting it's because to, it's a, it's actually a good way to speed up the game. Yeah, it's 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 good for speeding up the game, but also it's of course a league reaction to the sign stealing scandals that have happened over the course of the last few years. Uh, it makes sense as a security measure because that means that you no longer have to be as worried about a guy on second looking at the signs, which has always been a concern. Often you'll see if there is a man on second, you'll often see uh, the catcher come up to the pitcher and be like, and, and explain, I'm going to change signs now because a dude is looking me straight in the eye. Now, yep. they wouldn't have to necessarily do that, which also speeds up the game, leads to less confusion. It leads to less like those pitcher feeling like they have no idea what the catcher is asking of them anymore. Um, that being said, of course, it also it has the downside of being attached to technology, which can have glitches. And I understand that some early use at the end of spring training, it was causing problems for some of the guys out there, which is why they just bounced off of it and went back to just doing normal signs. Right. We also have the technology problem of all the old people not wanting to adapt to new technology. <laughs> but I think the, like this one's slightly different, though, because like this is not the robot up. This is a... No. This is just a easier way. Easier communications. Yeah, for communication to happen on the field. 
but it does, like you said, reach that league's goal, but the league's goal of making the game faster and more entertaining, while also not sacrificing that much. It's not that big of a deal to lose signs. I mean, yeah, it's funny to see him point a, a, a finger down right in front of his crotch. Yes, it's always funny, no matter how you do it, but oh well, no big loss. Yeah, and yeah, so catchers no longer have to paint their nails, have to put tape right. on them. The pain nails is fun. Always a good, always a good one. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm happy baseball back. It's been an entertaining week and a half of games. Um, so bring on more. Yep, the Angels still a sub 500 team. <sighs> yeah, what are you gonna do? We'll <laughs> see uh, right now how they're doing. But yep. uh, anyway, anyways, um, anything else in sports before we move on to television? Uh, UFC. We haven't talked about UFC in a long time. No, no, we haven't. And for good reason. Ever <laughs> since they got sold. Well, we talked about the Fight Island. We talked about Dana, Dana White's yes. Fight Island. But that was before they got sold. Right, that was before they got Ever sold. Ever since they got sold for like $2 billion, we really haven't talked about UFC. No. And there's a good reason for that. <laughs> I tried watching another you know, <laughs> UFC. Does it suck? It's not good. Yeah. <laughs> the, the fighters aren't pompous anymore. They're no longer these like big ego brands. Now, is in there to coming- fight. Is this opinion coming because you've watched a lot of professional wrestling and you're bouncing off of that to this? No, no, no. Like, this is where's coming the from, showmanship? Where's this is coming the from like being fans of like Ronda Rousey of sure. Conor McGregor. I mean, as much as you could be fans of those awful, awful people. <laughs> I mean, like, like, they, like they have like mm. attitude. Yes, they had attitude, but yeah, they, they had attitude in real life too. It turns out. Yes, <laughs> but like, like, there's like, I don't know. I was saying, like, like it feels like the meanness is gone. Like, like they realize that it's a sport that you don't really want to, yeah. as much as you want to hurt the other guy across the ring, it's you're not going to just like break their leg every single time. <laughs> well, yeah, let's not break any legs, but no, I it's, think it's, maybe it's just me. Maybe want to be more brutal, but like, there's more, there's more sportsmanship in the UFC now. That all sounds like that sounds like good news to me. I don't know, but you're talking to somebody who doesn't watch or doesn't want to watch wrestling or U- UFC, so. But I'm saying, like, you telling me that they're reading it like a professional sport sounds like they're actually doing the thing that it was supposed to be in the first place. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe just missing, like, all the beef that they used to have between people, like, where they circle around and, like, fire everyone else except each other. I'm sure it's there. Like, you just want promos is what it sounds like. You want more Maybe. UFC promos. Where they're Maybe just, like, up in each other's face, just breathing heavy. Yeah, you want that. Maybe, yeah. You just want another Fast and Furious move. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, well, Fast and Furious Oct- Octane Octagon. Yeah, there you go. It's a spinoff, direct video spinoff for you. Um, anything else in sports before we move into the first television story, which is also about sports? I mean, it is the big sports story of the weekend. All right, let's just get to it then. We are talking about the USFL. The, thing the you return. Can't, can't stop talking about uh, this spinoff new football league that is trying to gain a foothold in the U.S., the current iteration of the USFL is owned by Fox Sports and will use a single site for all 10 weeks of its regular season at Protective Stadium in Birmingham, Alabama. Saturday night's opening game between the New Jersey Generals and the Birmingham Stallions will include two sky cams, multiple drone cameras, helmet cams, and audio from players both before and after the snap. Some head coaches will be familiar uh, to those of you familiar with football including Kevin Sumlin, 
uh, Houston, Arizona. I guess he's coached both in the past. Yep. Jeff Fisher, who has coached the Titans and the Rams in the past. Yes, Todd, that's Jeff Fisher. Yes. And Todd Haley, who has coached the Chiefs, to name just a few. There will also be a new rule change, or new rule changes, including three-point try after touchdowns. So is that a, instead of an extra point, is an extra three points? Yeah, you can kick it. You can go for one point of five yards or two points from 10 yards. Oh, so you just have to go line up on the 10-yard line and then, okay. Yeah. All right. You only still only get one play. Right. Okay. Interesting. Uh, kickoffs starting from the 25-yard line. This is to prevent um, touchbacks more easily. Ah, makes sense. An alternative to the onside kick and a... And, and a flat 15-yard. And a flat 15-yard defensive pass interference. What about the onside kick you were going to say? That one's the most interesting one because yeah. you as a team can instead line up on your own 33-yard line and attempt one play unclocked, uh-huh. one unclocked play to try and gain 12 yards. Okay. If you do, you keep the ball. Interesting. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, the talent for these players in the USFL will vary from – will vary from one year out of college all the way to European slash Canadian slash XFL experience and even some NFL practice squad talent. So they've really run the gamut uh, with how they got these players. So answering Basically, this. The only rule was you couldn't be on an NFL roster yeah, because that would sense. violate an NFL CBA agreement. Ah, got it. Contract thing. So I have a question then. What differentiates this from the XFL? So I understand that the XFL's whole thing was the X, of course, stood for extreme. They were trying to be more hardcore of the game. They are trying to lean into the bros broing out, tackling each other kind of part of football. Mm-hmm. Judging just by the name, USFL, it seems like this is a little bit more classy, a little bit more close to the NFL, a this little more a like professional sports NFL. organization. That being said... But with the added technology yeah. benefit. Right. Technology plus... These rule changes make it all make it seem like they're actually trying to, just like we talked about with baseball, speed up and simplify the game yeah. of football and make it more exciting. You're right. So, do you think that they're going to pull it off? Uh, I kind of think so, okay. especially with these um, new ways of adding immersive experience. Like I said, with, with the two sky camps, you can have one on both offense and defense. Mm. You have multiple drone cameras, so you can get literally anywhere you want in the stadium. It'll be interesting to see like a drone cam following the football as it's being thrown. <laughs> That's pretty wild, yeah. Uh, so long as it doesn't um, interfere like, with the players. <laughs> as long as the ball doesn't hit the drone, and then you have a whole problem. And... Yeah. <laughs> um, but also like the audio from before and after snaps. Um, one thing from this first broadcast is we the first multi-broadcast across multiple uh, networks, mm-hmm. as well as streaming on Peacock. Yeah. For the first game. First time it's been done since like Super Bowl one <laughs> for football. Where it was like on both like NBC and CBS because yeah. it was like the first time. Yeah. So there's a lot of like hype that I've seen around it. Maybe just because I'm looking for the hype. Yeah, maybe. I think, I mean, we'll see next week. Uh, you will watch a game or two and so you'll be able to tell us uh, how it turns out, but um, it would be pretty wild if it was um, entertaining enough to convince some people that there could be a potential alternative to the NFL, which hasn't been a thing in God since the NFL's inception. 
Right. Maybe it can give me a stop calling college the D League. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. The true D League. The true D League. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I guess we'll check back in next week to see how that's doing. I mean, it's football in yeah. the springtime. Football in the spring. Who would have guessed it? Let's move on to our second story, which has to do with one of the many, many, many uh, streaming uh, streaming channels that you didn't know existed. Not you, because of course you know, but you, the yeah. audience member. Hey, did you know that IMDb owned a streaming service called IMDb TV? Uh, yes, yes, I did. Because remember when I talked about Leverage Redemption being on IMDb TV? <laughs> well, say goodbye to IMDb IMDb TV as we knew it. Because Bye, ad, word letter soup. Yeah, because the ad-supported streaming service will get yet another rebrand this year. First launch is IMDb Free Dive back in January 2019. It was later rebranded to IMDb TV in June 2019. And will now be known as Amazon Freevee. <laughs> Freevee. Just wrap your, wrap your mouth around that. Freevee. It's a terrible name. It's awful. I don't know. The, the Pokemon Freevee? Not since Qui- not since Quibi as a name sounded gross to say. Um, anyway, Amazon plans to increase originals on the service by 70% in 2022 with new series planned like Bosch Legacy, Hollywood Houselift with Jess- Jeff Lewis, and Primo, created by Michael Schur and Shay Serrano. Current available originals already on the service include Leverage Redemption, the spinoff of Leverage, and Luke Bryan, My Dirt Road Diary, which is probably what it sounds like. And Judy Justice, the Judge Judy spinoff. Yes. Were we talking about Judge Judy no longer yeah. being on TV? You could have told me that these are all uh, from a from a uh, 30 Rock bit, and I would have believed you. Lauren uh, <laughs> Anderson and Ryan Ferozzi, co-heads of content and programming for Freebie, said, quote, with Freebie, our current and future viewers will discover a home that allows creative talent the freedom to tell impactful, entertaining, and inspiring stories. A service accessible to all and freed from time slot restrictions and device availability. You're just describing every streaming service. Yeah, you and are. And a destination that provides customers with both new and familiar escapist and engaging content free of charge. Okay. Despite that last part, you are describing every streaming service by this quote, but uh, sure, you, you guys do you. Yes, so you, you guys do you try and be original. I do not think that Amazon rebranding this thing with an even worse name is going to work. I say RIP freebie. It'll be gone in months. In months? Months. Give it months. months. I, okay. I see a Quibi. So we know that Quibi lasted, I think, four months, right? Four months, yeah. Four months and then six months, months of liquidation. Yeah. So, so that's, that's the bar we're setting for free. Going for the new record? Go for three. Go for three. Why not? Let's do it. <laughs> Come on. One quarter. In and out. Just like that. <laughs> I can't imagine what kind of money Michael Schur was offered uh, to be on this thing. But, hey. I don't know. Maybe it's just oh, like the production are. company and in name only. Maybe. Or Amazon. Maybe he made it for Prime and Amazon was like, actually, no. And like, put it over there. Actually, no. We need content <laughs> over here to help bolster this. Oh, my Please God. put your name on this. Anything has anything that has the Judge Judy show after Judge Judy was canceled. I mean, hmm, you gotta think about the programming here. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on out of that. You watched a couple of things or a few things on television this week, including one that's been a little a few weeks coming here. 
Which one do you want to talk about first? So real quickly, um, last week I talked about the ultimatum. Yes. Uh, it had its finale. Exact same thing, just as I predicted would happen. Uh, I did get a little bit more invested in the characters by the end, but at the same time, it's I I like the other stuff better. I don't know if it's just because <laughs> it came first, but sure. I, I want to say it's because I was more invested in the character and I knew who was with who by the end. But one of those couples, damn, I just despised them. They they were too bad, like poor, like bad people who mean. just absolutely deserved each other. They just made bad decision to bad decision, and when they even made a worse decision, I'm like, yeah, you know what? Sure, go ahead. Yeah. You do you. I, I can't save you. No one can save you guys. <laughs> so ultimately, ultimately, see what I did there? Uh, were the winners deserved, like, deserved winners? No. No? I didn't want them to be winners. I don't know. I didn't want them to uh, so, like, figure out their, their so marriage. the guy had basically proposed two ultimatums. Okay. The first one was, do you want to marry me? Mm-hmm. The second was, do you want to marry me right now? <laughs> and Wait, she said yes to both. Oh, no. Well, so they got their big wedding finale. No, 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 no. What? She wasn't even wearing a white dress. What? It was just like literally right here, right now. And they just Wait, got how? married. Was there right a, there, right was there, there, a there. Justice of the Peace of Hill? Yeah, yeah. Someone just oh, okay. came out and was like, hey, okay, I'm going to officiate. We're going to make this official here. <laughs> Between you, me, and all these cameras and producers. I don't know how they managed, but I feel like the ultimatum seems stupider somehow than any of these other shows. Oh, it got stupider because when they had the reunion, she came out pregnant. Already? Already. Do you think it happened during the show? During the show? Do you think? No, that- no. It was at least nine months between reunion and the show ending. <laughs> But she was six months pregnant. Oh boy. Which means, yes, by the time they got married, told their family, basically just started getting on it. Maybe that was a third ultimatum he (laughs) gave after the cameras turned off. He's like, all right, I asked if you want to get married. I asked you if you want to get married. Now, now, do you want to have a baby with me right now? Now now we have one year to make a baby. If we don't, I'm going to break this off. off. They ran (laughs) off into a bush. I mean, at least that's better than the other version of this, which was I'm <laughs> saying no to you in this ultimatum, yeah. but I'm going to ask this other girl who's also on the show uh-huh. if she wants to go away with me for on like a trip. You can do that. You can just like try to play other people off against the. Against well, that's the whole point. Person? Like the first half was you're going to okay. start date with other people, Ugh. and he went like on the date with the other girl. I'm like. Wait, so you literally just broke up with this girl, <laughs> walked over. Oh, that's <laughs> what about you? Will you do that? And said, hey, other girl that I've known for like three weeks. Can you imagine if you, you want to go on a trip? Can you imagine if that girl also rejected him? Would he have just kept going? Like, would he have just been like, make this line of like rejections? I don't know. I think it might have hit harder if they both said no. <laughs> yeah. You would get the idea. You would have been like, all right. Yeah, but maybe there is something like, Probably like kids are like, oh, maybe there is something wrong with me. Yeah. But I mean, they wouldn't have cast him on the show if there wasn't something wrong with them. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, that was the ultimatum. It's That's there the ultimatum. if you want yeah. it. It's there. I feel like it's like kind of like a time capsule thing that it just <laughs> exists in its form. And I don't really want to talk more about it. 
I mean, we don't have to. That's the nice thing is that they'll probably make another season next year, and then we can. I know they'll then. make another season, but you but don't have to think about the ultimatum until they do that. You don't have to think about it ever again. I don't, I'm just saying that I don't want to talk about the ultimatum anymore. Also, but... every time we say that name, I have to like actually like crank my head into gear to remember that it's a reality show about dating because it sounds like a crime drama on network TV. You can't just call it the ultimatum. That sounds the like ultimatum. Yeah, that sounds like something that has like. Well, it's like calling something. It's like uh, NBC's The End Game. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, it's, like, it's gonna end. You can't just call it that. Also. Anyway, what else did you watch? Anyways, um, I also watched a finale of sorts. Uh huh. Um. So last week I talked about Severance. Yeah. Now it ended, and now I'm going to go in and rewatch it and catch up to it now that I can just binge everything. So, did you watch all of Severance already? I did watch all of Severance. All right. What you, what'd you think? Is it as good as people were saying it is? So, it's created and directed by Ben Stiller. Mm-hmm. This is Ben Stiller. <laughs> Never worked in an office environment, Ben Stiller. <laughs> Always been in an actor director, Ben Stiller. Sure, yeah. Writing and directing, it was essentially a office-themed drama. Dramedy. Well, it is and it isn't, right? Because it's a speculative like thing where it's like, oh, but what if, what if the office, but well, like, what if an office job, but you are so divided between real life and your office position that they are actually separate versions of yourself that you have no. Well, yeah, no, it's so it takes that concept yeah. of who you are at work and who you are outside of work and just puts it to the absolute extreme right. of yeah. you're two different people you even though you may not see yourself as two different people people see you as two different people between who you are at work and who you are at yeah. in, in home life now being work from home as we are <laughs> there's kind of no barrier anymore between that uh, i think it's for some coming out right now yeah it's interesting timing because like most people have lost that barrier of work work me and home me i wouldn't say most people but some people certainly um well in 2020 people did who were still able to work uh but yeah it's a definitely an interesting dynamic between or it's it's a take on that Mm -hmm. concept of two people obsessively inhabiting the same body but are two separate people um, they like two separate things. My p- main problem with it, and the problem that I had trouble with it, like even back when I said it from the beginning, yeah, too many mystery boxes and not uh, enough results. Okay, that even by the end, I was like, oh, so that's how that wrapped up. Cool, I like that, but was it worth the journey for it? <laughs> that's kind of where I landed at the end of this. Is I like what you did at the end with it. Mm-hmm. I like all the reveals. It was really good and concept executed really, really well. Might be one of my favorite executions of TV uh, in, in this year. But was the journey worth it of watching these 10, what's, what's 10 out, nine hours to this 10th hour finale? So do you think it's a little bit of a slog? Is that what you're saying? Or it's like a little, it takes its time a little too yeah, much? No, no, no. The problem is that it isn't a slog. The problem is that the hook isn't as engaging me as I thought it would be. It was never, oh, I need to know what happens next until it got to about mm. like the seventh or eighth episode okay. when they finally formed a plan. 
Do you think that that's a problem that we see in a lot of these serialized streaming shows, which is that they know that episode eight is supposed to be when the shit hits the fan, so they pull back so much and then release, and then you're like, well, we could have done this several episodes prior. It's the, hey, we yeah. could finish this in six episodes, but you're going to pay us for 10 episodes? Right. Okay, we'll create four more episodes to add filler and backstories to these characters, which you may or may not care about by this point. <laughs> yeah. But it's just the kind of like the world that we're now living in with streaming, where everything gets 10 episodes and we need to somehow fill out all 10 episodes. Yeah, it's very much that's how <coughs> streaming television is made now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of disappointing. But ultimately, do you think it's worth watching for people who have Apple TV Plus? Um, I mean, assuming you're done watching the after party. Well, yes. It's a given. Anybody who listens to this has probably already finished the after party. So Yeah, yes. They, they were on it with <laughs> when we were watching it. I don't know. Yeah. So. Yeah, the fact that uh, it didn't capture me enough to want to watch it on a weekly basis yeah, it's probably so. more telling than anything else I could say. Okay. I mean, it did get a second season. I'll look forward to yeah. it. But at the same time, um, similar to other stuff on Apple TV that got a second and third season, I'll eventually probably get around to watching it, maybe. Which is kind of my sentiment for most things now. Yeah. So your mileage may vary, it sounds like, on Severance. So yeah. there you go. I really like that ending, though. That ending is really good TV. I'm glad they nailed it. They, they nailed, nailed the, ending, the landing. But it's a lot of buildup for that ending. And it's the, the whole, does, does the end justify how we got here? Maybe it's kind sure. of thing. Sure. You have one last thing that you watched this week. Uh, yes, one last thing that we watched. Um, yes. Well, I'm going to watch Close Enough Season 3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you watch any of it? No, because I said I watched uh, Julia on HBO Max. Oh, uh, you need to. You need to. I can't. You need to. Hey, I watched. Hey, I listened to Wet Leg instead. For you. <laughs> just one thing every week, I guess. Just check check those boxes. So, anyways, Julia. Yes. What is this? Uh, it's exactly what you think it is when I say based off of Julia Child. Ah, right. This is that. Okay. So. I don't know why it's with this new like renaissance slash love of Julia Child. <laughs> we have this show. There's also a cooking show on Food Network where people try to mimic right. Julia Child. Yes. I don't understand. Like, I've seen her mentioned in like a couple of new shows as well. Like, we're going to talk about like cooking stuff. Like, I don't know what's with the new infatuation with Julia Child. She's timeless. I feel like every few years you see her show up in pop culture again. I mean, you had the Julie and Julia movie. What is that? 15 years ago? 16 years ago at this point? 10, so like, 15? Something like that? So yeah, so it makes sense that now Julia Child is back into consciousness again. Cycle of cycle continues. I don't know. Maybe. But <laughs> okay. what Our makes this one version stand out, though? <laughs> so yes, Julia. What is this on? Uh, HBO Max. HBO Max? Okay. Yes. Uh, HBO Max original. So what makes this one uh, stand out from currently the other versions, is that it's a story about how Julia Child got on TV. Okay. How she turned her cookbook to an interview to a TV show to the hearts of people. Because mm-hmm. at the time, TV was still new. It was like in the 60s. TV wasn't in every household. Right. Um, also, during this time that women weren't on TV. So you have that kind of struggle and aspect of it. 
Um, what it reminds me a lot of is Marvelous Miss Maisel's. Uh, okay. But just with cooking and um, still the same kind of like dynamic duo, duo of like these two strong, hardworking women working together to make this dream a reality. Okay. And it has that kind of charm too. Like right. if you said this was a spiritual successor for it and it was on Amazon, I believe you. <laughs> it's, it's on HBO Max. <laughs> It seems like that that's that's a template that they're at least going off of. They're like, okay, a period piece. Is it a comedy? Is it mostly it feels a comedy? Like comedy, yeah. Okay. Uh, based on, yeah, based on somebody in this case who actually existed. Um, yes. But yeah, it's, it's, so I guess with that comparison in mind, do, is it like like is it gentle enough to be like, oh, if you're interested in uh, Julia Child's life at all, if you're like, it's a fun watch. Or it, does it lean more into the like, no, we're actually going to tell this like super realistically. Like, do they lean into no, kind of more the dark fantasy. angles? It's more, fa- more family friendly. Angles. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it does. It tips its toe into like the terrible like ad execs, like, um, mm. like oh, like no one's going to watch this kind of thing. Um, like, what do you think you're doing? Because you have to, because there has to be some sort of stakes. Yeah. But it's. Yeah, because there has to be stakes, there has to be drama, and there's that the yeah. the male dominant wall pushed up against. Because obviously we expect. know, obviously we know she gets on television and she makes yes. a show because we come from the future, we know that already. So yeah, they have to establish some stakes. Yes, we notice. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a fun watch. Um, kind of makes you also want to like go out and pick up your cookbook. Yeah. yeah. Or like yeah. learn like oh. I wasn't alive to watch and appreciate this, but right. watching this makes it seem like she made it look so easy. So maybe I want to yeah. like look up something on YouTube or archive footage or just pick up the cookbook and say, hey, this is really easy. You always can do that. There's always there's always time. So yes. <laughs> that's one of the things that it does really well is that it makes it friendly in because it does is that kind of like comedy um, driven. Yeah that it does make it friendly it does make it watchable it does make it enjoyable it's not like oh my god you're just like putting up blockade after blockade unnecessary blockade here no yeah. there's actual reasons for it and there's actual like stakes attached to everything and that's part of what makes a good show you make you care about these characters even though i know yeah. it's already going to happen <laughs> you make everything um feel impactful especially in scene and the person who does julia child is um to pull up the name real quick. Yeah, I don't Quite know. A refreshing who, take. I don't know who plays her. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Who plays you? <laughs> uh, Sarah Lancashire. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, and also David Hyde Pierce is in here. Oh, I didn't know that there was a surprise David Hyde Pierce. Yeah, apparently he plays the husband. Fair enough. Anyway, well, that sounds good. Uh, that sounds like good, uh, good comfort food. No pun intended. <laughs> All right, let's move on. You didn't watch anything else? Anything else uh, slip through the cracks at all? No. Did you watch anything else? Uh, just baseball. Um, continuing through Riverdale, which just gets stupider by the episode. Um, yeah. So, uh, um, I will say this. Yes. Um, American Song Contest. Yeah, I've dropped I've off of that. Completely dropped off of it. Yeah, I'm three episodes behind now. I think on American Song Contest. I, 
it's hard to find the time to watch like an hour's worth of stuff or two hours worth of stuff. I don't know. Yeah. They, one, they need to rework it. Two, <laughs> they need to make it a week long event. Yeah. To yeah. where, or two weeks, like make it like the Olympics where you have it on every night yeah, for an hour be, or two. It needs to feel and more so like you an want event. to tune in because yeah. it's only on for two weeks, not this six, eight week run. Network television, that reminded me, uh, there is one thing I can talk about uh, that I already really, that I don't have much to say about, but it did uh, hit its season finale uh, this week. Abbott Elementary uh, wrapped up season one this week on ABC. Oh, uh, that just ended? Yes, just ended. Uh, that was the season finale. Um, I don't know what days it airs, but um, yeah. But yeah, because uh, I watched it on Hulu, I didn't watch it live. So um, but yeah, uh, Nail Blanding, really good finale. Um, I'm very excited that they've already confirmed a season two. I want to see more of those characters. I want to see what happens to the... Yeah, some changes are happening in the world of that show as of the finale. So it'll be interesting to see what they do going forward. Uh, but yeah, I love that world. I love that uh, that show is just a vibe. And I'm glad that they're going to continue it on uh, continue it next year. So yeah, just uh, you can catch that up, catch up with that on Hulu uh, if you uh, missed any of that prior, any of the prior episodes. All right, sounds good. That's it. So that means we can safely move on now into cancellations and renewals, which takes us to CBS, who has renewed SWAT for a sixth season. So more SWAT than you ever wanted. Um, HBO, yeah. Yes, that's SWAT. HBO is bringing back Curb Your Enthusiasm for yet another season. That will be 12 seasons of that show, which I believe now means that there have been more seasons of Curb than there are of Seinfeld. Uh, is that correct? So. Uh, real quick, you know how we're talking about um, Otani <laughs> and I hitting a home run? Yeah. Did it just happen? All right. Hell yeah. That's the, that's the breaking news that I want while we're recording this podcast is an Otani home run. Yeah, and Adele just hit one too. So we're up to well. Uh, oh shit! That's great. All right. We, do, we doing things. We, we cook we, and sell. We're making it happen. Although then again, first inning also great yesterday. So yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Let's move on. Uh, making the cut, which is the uh, the Prime Video um, project one runway alike, is getting a third season. Yeah, apparently second season aired, and I completely missed it. Yeah, it did. I think we talked about it. Uh, we um, talked about the first season. Um, but the uh, third season is going to yeah. be in the summer, this summer. Okay. And then Hulu is bringing back Life and Beth for a second season. Congratulations, Amy Schumer. Yeah, that's the Amy Schumer one, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, then we have one death to talk about, and it's a real rough one. Gilbert Gottfried, age 67, out of nowhere uh, this past weekend. Yeah, it is very sad. Like, obviously, I don't even need to tell you what he's been in. He was a comic, well, a comedy legend. Um, Probably most famous to millennials for being the voice of uh, uh, Iago in Aladdin, among many, 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 many other roles, and just that distinctive voice that anybody could recognize from like a second of him speaking. I'm um, just, yeah, just so many priceless bits, so many, so many decades of of being in everywhere and everything. Definitely a comedian's comedian. He was often somebody you, who your favorite comedian would bring up and be like. Oh yeah, he's he's one of the best. Um, so yeah. Um, oh, and uh, Chrissy, is this another is this another death that happened? Liz Sheridan uh, apparently also died this week. Oh, Jerry's mom um, on Seinfeld. 
Uh, we covered that last week. Oh, we covered that last week. What? I guess that was no. last Wait, week. No, 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 no. We covered George's mom last week. Oh, shit. You're right. Yes, she also just said that. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, this is one hour ago. Damn. Liz Sheridan one hour ago. Damn. Jeez, the whole cast. All right, add to the list here. All right, add that to the list. But yeah, that'll do it for death. So that means we can safely move on as you type that in uh, to the last section of the show, movies. Ninety-three. Oh, okay. Um, and we start the movie section with the box office numbers. And hey, we called it. That was really easy to call. Your number one movie this week was Sonic the Hedgehog two, a seventy-two million dollar debut, which is a record. Uh, not. A box office record in usual terms, but a movie based on a video game record. This is now the new top move, top grossing uh, first weekend for a movie based on a video game. So this beats uh, the first Sonic as well as Detective Pikachu's first weekend. Um, basically anything based on a video game, this did better than. So new bar to clear. Um, really better than Detective yes. Pikachu? I felt that it's better than Detective Pikachu. I thought that one hit 100, didn't it not? It did not. It did not hit 100 in its first oh, weekend. opening weekend? Okay. Yeah, opening weekend. So a new, uh, new uh, bar to clear. However, of course, we know by the end of this year, we will have the Super Mario Brothers movie from Illumination, which will probably blow this thing away. So yes, not even... It'll, it'll, it'll no. still own the category for live action, though. For the time being, yes. For live action, yeah, you're right. Coming in at number two, it was not the summer of Morbius, as Morbius... Another uh, another ten million dollars, fifty seven million is its total domestically right now. Still just struggling, huge. What was that? A seventy percent drop off from yep. the debut, just brutal. It, it brutal. plummeted for quicker than uh, Jared Leto's career. <laughs> yeah, it's like it. Number three, The Lost City sticks around with another nine million dollars. That's at sixty eight. Number four, Ambulance, another eight point six million. Or no, that did. You have that, wait, that number is wrong because I feel like we talked about Ambulance last week uh, we on, did. on the box office. So we need to update that number. Okay. Um, number And rounding out your top five, The Batman, $6.4 million, adding to $358 uh, million. No, no, that was total. the premiere. That was, was the, the debut? debut? Okay, I thought we could have sworn. But yeah, okay, so I'm sorry. That was an $8.6 million first week for Ambulance. Which I'm, I'm is, sorry. Does this help? Awful. Does that help? So no one saw that movie. Uh, also, no, Jake Gyllenhaal in an action film sounds like yeah. it belongs on Netflix. Also, we should mention it's a bit, it's much smaller movie, so of course it made smaller money. But after, number six, Everything Everywhere All at Once debuted to six million dollars. So, uh, good chance I will see that this weekend. Okay, good. Yeah, I want to see your. Uh, I've been seeing some your take good on things that about it. Good things, yeah. Right, let's move on to this weekend and big new releases. Uh, today saw Father Stew and Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Next week we have The Northman, The Northman, Northman, The Northman, <laughs> The it's Bad a, it's Guys, a, uh, Northman. Um, was it like Viking? Oh, that's that Viking thing. Okay. Yes. The Bad Guys, which is the DreamWorks um, animated film. Yes. And, uh, yeah, the DreamWorks. Uh, fairy tale villains movie based on i believe children's book mm-hmm. correct correct i believe the, that bad guys thing yeah based on a children's book 
And then the unbearable weight of massive talent, which is that Nicolas Cage playing himself movie. Finally in theaters. So that is next week. So we'll see how those fare next time. All right, let's move on into movie news. And hey, speaking of called it, I swear we said exactly this just last week. I mean, because so literally last week we're talking about how um, the star of The Flash, Ezra Miller, was currently in hot water. Yes. We said DC's got to do something with it. Right on the heels of us also talking about uh, Discovery closing the Warner Media purchase for $43 billion. Well, turns out that DC is doing just that. Wait, hold on. Is this them calling (laughs) us with our check right now? I know. I wish. I wish they paid us for this. Uh, With Discovery closing that $43 billion deal for Warner Media, David Zaslav, the CEO and top leadership, have been toying with the idea of turning DC into its own solidified content vertical across film, streaming, TV, and the creative team within DC proper, which is, that's just to make that clear, because it's a little corporate jargony. They want to basically make that a brand, make it separate from, instead of Warner being like, oh, Warner like decides what DC does, this would make DC its own entity within the corporate umbrella and basically say like, no, the DC Studios is bringing you this content, is making these decisions. Everything's coming from their creatives. It's the Marvel thing. It's the Marvel model. Um, So before the merger closed, Zaslav vetted candidates with experience in creating and nurturing blockbuster intellectual property similar to what Marvel has in Kevin Feige. Zaslav was less interested in finding a creative guru, but more interested to hire someone who had the type of business background needed to keep all the different factions at DC working more harmoniously. Current DC head Walter Hamada is under contract until the end of 2023, but after his, whatever they decide to do with him, you may see new corporate leadership there, and you might see this plan go into effect. So what they are currently looking at is similar to what James Gunn just did with taking the Suicide Squad, spin it off into Peacemaker, Mm-hmm. What Matt Reeves is doing, which is take the Batman, yeah. spin it off into both the Penguin on HBO Max and Gotham PD on HBO Max. I think what you have also here is a way to avoid what happened last time, which is the television universes being different from the movie universes. Obviously, all of the Arrowverse shows on CW exist in their own continuity. I'm sure Warner is looking at what Marvel's doing right now with Disney and being like, we should have done that. We needed that kind of connection. We needed everything to operate in the same world because this is confusing. This is just a mess. Now that we're a year out from Disney Plus and seeing that, hey, yeah, WandaVision was Emmy nominated. Why can't we have right. comic book Emmy nominated content? It plays in a different world when you're playing in like, like critically when you're playing in that like same shared universe um and i think that warner how warner was run was not built for that kind of interaction before this is an opportunity for them to make dc its own silo and make sure that that's the case make sure that everything is coming from the top make sure everything is following the same rules this could also be why you saw some recent delays for the video games as well. Mm-hmm. Everything is probably being reanalyzed right now within yes. 
it's not listed here in the story, but yeah, yeah in, in what I read, they are also looking at yeah. WB games right. and specifically DC games as well. Yeah, make DC games its own studio, make them the publisher, mm-hmm. separate that from Warner's gaming stuff, let Warner f- handle other stuff. Or maybe this is how they pivot Warner out of video games completely, which is something that Discovery had said they were potentially thinking of doing. So it's ways to like compartmentalize and be like, no, DC handles video games. That's the only video games we make. We don't make games else uh, otherwise, and because they kind of don't. They're go- they just got out of Lego, for example. So it makes sense for them to be like, wash our hands, clear that. Yep, yeah, which I did. Uh watch some playthroughs of uh, Lego Star Wars. Yeah. It's really good. It seems it seems good for people, people to get like those a lot Lego of praise. Games. Yeah. I'm ready for my summer game now. Just, <laughs> I got two massive pillars in front of me, yeah. possibly a third. Yeah. But anyway. Anyways, yeah, uh, like we mentioned last week, there's going to be a big shakeup with the DC yeah. universe. Yeah. We'll within see what happens. I want to say by the end, by years out, we're going to have uh, a good roadmap of what's going to happen. Yeah. So keep well, keep our eyes peeled on that one. In the meantime, here's something completely different. Hey, are you ready for another adaptation of The Color Purple? Is it wrong to say I never watched the original? <laughs> or the Broadway version? I mean, if you haven't seen any of well, here's your chance because they're making another one. Warner Brothers is making another rendition of the iconic American novel, The Color Purple. This time, from first-time feature director Blitz Bazawule. There's another um, Blitz out there. Yeah, I guess so. First name this time. Yes, first name. Um, who is uh, the director of the Beyonce video, Black is King, mm-hmm. and the Bur- Burial of Jojo. What is that? Uh, that's a short, I mean, nominated short. Or is that Oscar nominated short? Sh- Oscar nominated short. Okay. The cast is taking shape as Grammy winner John Batiste makes his feature acting debut. Sure, why not? Alongside Fantasia Verino. Is she going by her last name again? I remember she was single named just Fantasia for a while. Um, the article listed as Fantasia Burino, so Okay, I guess I guess she's back to Burino. Joining the ensemble are Danielle Brooks, Taraji P. Henson, and Colvin Domingo, Corey Hawkins, her, yes, that her, and Hallie Bailey, as well as Ciara. Okay, and Elizabeth Marvel, David Allen Greer, okay, Luis Gosset, and Anjanou Ellis. Oh, Chrissy's favorite person, Anjanou Ellis. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, it's a musical. It's a musical version. Yes, Chrissy it's a musical. Says, okay, you don't have that in your story. It's kind of important. Oh, see, I thought that'd be <laughs> obvious because you have John Batiste and Fantasia yeah. Barino in it. Yes. Oh, as well as Halle Bailey, Halle X Chloe, yes, and Ciara in it, and Anjanae Ellis. No, just right. okay. So Christy is saying it's like the producers, where it's like it was a movie that was adapted into a stage musical that is now being musical. a movie again based on the stage musical. Yeah, the stage musical is what they are adapting. So that's what's happening. Fantasia apparently was in the stage version, okay. which is why she's here. That makes sense. Yes. Our Broadway Uh, correspondent. Uh, (laughs) Spielberg directed the original Color Purple. He is on here as a producer. Oh, okay. Maybe in name only because the Color Purple. Well, I bet he was also a producer on the stage version. Spielberg? Yes, probably. Wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me, yeah. Producer here as well. All right, well, 
So look forward to that. That's a killer cast. So if they can make that work, uh, that oh, wait, be... you you forgot and more. Oh, and more. Sorry. Yes. yes. More. But, but not yeah, and um, more. And, and more. yes, and more. Someone named Anne. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, uh, seems like seems like this is Oscar bait waiting to happen. So uh, go good for them. May appear by the end of the year. Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? All right. That's it for movie news. Did we watch any movies this week? I'm going to give you a big fat no, because if I didn't have time for the American Song Contest, I also didn't have time for movies. Uh, I'll also give you a big fat no, because I was too busy watching Severance and Julia Child and other TV stuff. Also listening to Swedish House Mafia. Well, then that means that we are done here. That'll do it for movies, and that'll do it for the Media Boat Podcast this week. Thank you for bearing with us for a remote show. We will be remote again next week. As, as we hinted earlier in the show, Mike will be on his way to the Coachella Valley next week to enjoy weekend festivities there for the second weekend of Coachella. And then, yeah, I will report back on what Coachella was for me. For the first time ever in media podcast history, we'll have a man down in Coachella to report on it. So wait till next week to see all about that. In the meantime... You can catch us on YouTube if you want to see our video versions of the podcast live or archived. Go to youtube.com, search Media Boat Podcast, and find our channel there. You can also listen to us audio style if you like on all sorts of podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon Music, or whatever they call their podcast service, iHeartRadio, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts, we're probably there. Just give us a Google. You can also find us on social media channels like Twitter, where we're at at Media Boatcast. On Facebook, search Media Boat Podcast, find our page there. And last but definitely not least, if you want to ask us any questions, give us feedback, anything at all, email us, mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll read your emails here on the air. Thank you for joining us this week. We'll be back next week for Coachella Thoughts. Uh, more television thoughts, video game thoughts, all sorts of things, and news as it happens. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back and enjoy your week. Yep, we'll be back with more thoughts, more album thoughts. Um, I will most probably definitely sing everything everywhere all at once. (laughs) All right. So I have my thoughts on that next week. Everything next week. All right. All right. Bye. Bye.